Hello and welcome back to the Motor Sport Beta Podcast. I'm your host DD, and joining me once again today is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we'll be previewing the 2021 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions, and dive right into the conversation. Hello, Vedant. What is going on? There is much to talk about besides just previewing Baku with all that is going on in the F1 battle. So, let's start at the Red Bull win controversy. What is your take on like I I know we'd already talked about it during our previous podcast, but uh, what is your take on the Christian Horner versus Toto Wolf fight that is going on regarding this controversy? Well, I am no fan of any Christian Horner versus Toto Wolf fight, but I think I think this time the stakes are even higher, and Toto Wolf knows that. Uh, with Red Bull now leading leading the championship and with Red Bull potentially the strongest team, uh, strongest car on on the grid right now, I think Toto Wolff is making it a lot of you know is is pressuring FIA and Formula One into this uh, even more than he would have two years ago. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, I've never seen Toto Wolff so flustered and you know, uh, giving out mixed comments about uh, you know these things. I've never seen Toto Wolff so, I won't say off his game, but um, Toto Wolff's words have always kind of made sense, and this is like the first time that whatever's coming out of Toto Wolff is not making any more sense, and I think <laughs> it's just the pressure of uh, you know continuing that um, championship winning streak that's getting to him Absolutely. and i guess you know he finally feels the threat because even going on to going into monaco it was not a huge deal you know lewis made a couple of comments offhand and then max you know didn't really reply to it but then christian was asked about it and then he you know he just said you know just look at your front wing yeah. and things like that uh, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't as big or as um, dramatic as as it is now and you know after the monaco weekend once red bull took the lead it just seems that things got a little bit of out of hand especially you know mercedes did have a dreadful weekend in monaco so um i guess uh dodo will finally lost a bit of cool but where do you think this you know controversy heading because there have been threats of protest both against the rules that uh the fia is bringing in and against each other uh, amongst the teams uh so where, where do you see this heading i mean see Red Bull, Ferrari and Alfa Romeo, all three have said that, yes, their wings do flex at high speeds. And it they do flex uh, beyond the give provided by FIA. But they do pass the regulations, they do pass the test, right? So I don't see where where the issue stands because it's, it's the grey area we have always talked about in Formula 1. The grey area makes Formula 1 so great. And the grey area makes all these innovations and all these uh, performance, you know, indicators. All now g- heading into uh, Baku, that that long straight, and combine that with the high downforce uh, turns, you know, ninety degree turns, and it's a high downforce section, the the section around the old city and all the, all those areas. Now Baku would be a great differentiate and great indicator for how uh, this setup works for Red Bull because they will get great pace on the straight and they already have a high downforce 
car in that regard so i believe Once that again. that is why that is why toto wolf wants those regulations wanted those regulations to end before baku but we are going into france with them once again absolutely on point vedan today i mean you are just on fire <laughs> uh but yeah like you said baku is a street circuit where not just for red bull you'll be able to see how all the teams you know have performance gains uh through these flexi wings that you're talking about but yeah you know i i i don't see you know with all these protests and anything i don't see fia working any faster than they already are i was kind of surprised that uh, the fia clamped down the season considering how you know like this has been brought brought up again and again uh how mercedes were allowed to use, use the dash system exactly. uh, for the entire season even though it was uh in the gray area in the rules you know it was banned according to the rules and um just the fact that the fia are clamping down the season um, during the season and not letting you know the teams roll with the current regulations so the end of the season i mean if uh, the das would have been banned last season lewis hamilton would have been the first person to come out and say they are trying to slow us down and absolutely and yeah. we, we don't see that coming from max verstappen and that just shows yeah. what what mentality and what you know who who's operates how who's under pressure exactly. and who's not under pressure right now uh yeah absolutely um yeah and i i don't see this going anywhere like i said you know fia won't be doing anything faster or slower just because toto wolf and lewis hamilton are not happy exactly uh, there are 10 other teams that they need to take into consideration and also there are you know uh in the background we all always forget but there are budget restrictions this year and every rule change that they bring in um, mid season is going to affect that budget in one way or the other uh so that is another thing to look out for So yeah, anyway, I, I mean those uh, they gave them four or five weeks or whatever time, and I think that still was the minimum time they could have given uh, the teams to redesign and redevelop their wings. And I mean, Toto Wolff is still not happy with it, and I can't see how else he would be happy if they are not banned right now. So yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. And you know, this is not something new. Flexi wings have been there forever and uh you can see how this, you know, championship battle is bringing out uh the intricacies and you know, how the teams are looking at the smallest details. Uh not just for to make their car faster, but to, you know, bring their competitor down. Exactly. Uh but yeah, anyway, about the red uh the wing controversy doesn't really catch my imagination. I'd be happy if they just left it alone and let them uh, do it out on track. Yeah, I mean, But, it's uh, it's just it's just a small political ploy in the height of a championship battle, which Mercedes find themselves after so many years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's let's talk about the qualifying rule change now. Again, Toto Wolff came out, and you know he was uh, not happy about what happened in qualifying during Monaco, and we kind of like didn't acknowledge this uh, in our Monaco review because we didn't think it would scale to such. uh height where you know FIA would come out and said that they are actually reviewing the potential of uh, making a rule change uh but now since they have come out and said it John Todd has said you know with that we look that the FIA is looking into making that rule change i think it is only fair that we talk about it uh so wh- what are your um, what are your thoughts on 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 this rule change uh that you know uh that anyone who crashes during qualifying uh his lap times should be deleted so that uh the other people are not affected by it or they don't gain gain an unfair advantage by crashing or you know bringing out red flags during a session i believe it is an unnecessary uh, change in regulations i mean see their motive is correct their motive is absolutely correct because they want everyone to have equal chance equal, equal opportunities 
but the way they are doing it is wrong because nobody is going to crash deliberately everyone wants to be on pole everyone wants to improve their lap time and i mean it was monaco we have seen these incidents in monaco in the past and that is the only reason why it became a talking point had it been austria or had it been any other you know normal uh, circuit and someone would have crashed it would not have been such a big issue for me to tackle this is you know don't let the clock run out give them enough time to complete at least one more run just like we saw in monaco epri in formula e so yeah that's what i think yeah i think i'm on board with that but you know uh, people keep bring up this argument that other race series like indycar have this rule so what do you think about that argument uh, is there is there much merit to that um, you know is that something that is that a reason why f1 should consider it um, yeah absolutely not i mean indica has so many more so many other rules every every series has different rules and that indica rule has been going on for ages now i believe but i mean i i still don't agree with that rule in indica it is there but i don't agree with it and same same with you i mean i i don't i don't like the fact that you uh, disqualify essentially that uh, driver who has put it into q3 and might be running in you know p1 uh, p1 p2 after the first run so they have put it their own merit right absolutely um yeah i mean you know there and there are other arguments like you know that drivers in the past have crashed willingly you know just to win the championship or you know stay ahead in the championship fight and those are all fair arguments but uh then again i think that's a debate about sportsmanship and uh i think you can put in special rules and regulations for that and i think uh even if you know fia were to go down the road of making this qualifying rule change i think it's just another hole that fia will dig themselves like i've said before because there's a lot of gray you know what happens because bringing out a red flag and um, and basically you know st- stopping a session is might be you know a clear cut issue might be black and white to most people but what happens in other nuances of the same when when such a thing happens you know because we have seen a lot of times that someone will have an off in the sector 3 and you know drivers will be making that last corner but then they'll have to they'll have to slow down and abort the lap because someone brought out the yellow flags so what happens in those nuances where you know people have an off and you know these things happen in qualifying uh, and it can happen anywhere and you, we saw in mugello last year that a lot of people had an off during qualifying george russell had an off so i think these nuances get really integra- intricate and the penalties that uh, that will come along with them will again get too nuanced and we've seen that fia as a sporting body does not do a good job of regulating any sort of penalties uh, in any sort of cases so uh, i just don't want the sport to have another you know more controversies going forward because of this rule change and, absolutely uh, yeah i mean as I'm, i'm pretty happy with where we are uh, as of now as you said you know if if they if they only disqualify someone when there's a red flag okay agree till that but what if there's a yellow flag and you know some other team principal says no that should have been a red flag and that should have been a disqualification and then the the political battle and all these issues will go deeper and deeper and that's not what we want yep yep and yeah again it it just comes down to i mean if drivers and teams are doing that you know then uh, it just comes down to 
disciplinarian action and penalties that were under the sportsmanship conduct rather than uh, just the technical rules and regulations yeah um, and, and i think i think, I, I think michael schumacher did get penalized when he crashed out when he parked did he get did he get a race ban was it yeah i don't i don't remember what it was but he did get penalized when he okay, parked, yeah. parked his car at rascas in 2006 or 5 and i think that is that because everybody knew that he had done it intentionally and that was yep. given a race ban no in in case of charles leclerc even max verstappen who took p2 and who would have taken uh, pole in 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 monaco defended charles that that is a mistake everybody can make and everybody will make in in monaco so yeah that that is really unnecessary in my opinion uh yeah um, well that is our views on the qualifying rule change and i don't think uh formula 1 or the fia should encourage that but let's move on to the next uh, topic that we have uh so there's been a motorsport.com uh, article that talks about no more wind tunnels from 2030 and apparently this has been an ongoing conversation in the f1 paddock for the last few years and uh apparently according to motorsport.com uh 8 out of 10 teams are on board with making this change so basically by the end of 2030 uh all f1 teams are willing to switch to cfd only as a cfd and track testing you know during uh, test test days um as a means of developing their aerodynamic package uh, rather than having a wind tunnel uh on the grounds that you know that wind tunnels are inefficient they require a lot of energy and f1 is trying to move towards a sustainable um, future yeah future with zero carbon emissions and so on and so forth so it does not exactly fit f1's uh, image of sustainability um although you know motorsport.com also did point out for its readers that uh, mercedes used an alternative energy power source to power its wind tunnel which is uh, which is a part of their sustainability drive so maybe that is another option but uh, anyway let's not get so far into that first w- what are your primary thoughts about it is it something that's possible uh, where do you see see this uh, debate going i mean it's interesting because we have seen cfd grow more and more over the years and till now the cfd and the wind tunnel were you know working hand in hand i don't know i don't know much about aerodynamics and i don't know how that development works but i mean it's it's it will be interesting if the wind tunnels get completely banned out and how uh, how the teams will cope up with that absolutely and you know in in that article and other um and other articles too have that that i've read over the past couple of days uh obviously you know uh the engineers and the team principals have pointed out that uh switching to cfd today as of today is not possible just because you know the correlation between uh cfd track testing and wind tunnel is not exactly there and it still takes time and we've seen you know teams like haas ferrari struggle in the recent past with uh wind tunnel correlation and cfd correlation and so on and so forth and again the issue of the budget comes in that you know um if you're not having as much as uh, as much wind tunnel testing time although it makes up about 5 million pounds of the total budget that is spent on just keeping the wind tunnel running with all the power that's needed and you know the people and everything um then you know teams might start switching to uh on track testing during you know practice sessions and things as such and that also adds some cost to uh to the overall budget so uh there's also that debate but uh it seems like the teams are definitely definitely optimistic about being able to switch uh to cfd only methodologies and you know uh not having any wind tunnels 
um, after 2030. Obviously, that will take a lot of development in the CFD software packages itself and yeah. how the teams use there. And there, you know, the, the processes and tools that every team use are different at the end of the day. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how all of them and their suppliers, you know, their partners cope with this, um, with this demand. Uh, but that also brings a question of uh, teams that are currently investing in building a new wind tunnel. What does it mean for them? Because we know McLaren and Aston Martin are upgrading their facilities to have a wind tunnel. So what does um, this rule change mean for them? I think the two teams not agreeing to the wind tunnel are them, you know, Aston Martin and McLaren. So, I mean, obviously it's an investment and they would have known hopefully that this these talks are going on as you said they have been going on for the past few years but then again it's 10 seasons from now and uh, and mclaren and aston martin are on an upward trajectory so far and they want to get to that point uh, get to that championship leading point so if if it helps them right now it's great but yeah, I mean, I don't know. And obviously, there's you know, there's more nuances to how the cost works, and you know how exactly these these teams, you know, uh, conduct the wind tunnel testing. Like you know, they're un- they're not they're not scale parts, they're prototype parts, they're not production parts. And then there's also the issue of safety on track because if you're directly making parts from CFD studies and then bringing it on track, there's always the element of okay, whether or not the parts will survive, uh, you know, actual. Um, the yeah, operating conditions real world, yeah so there, there's a lot to consider and you know if um, we, we can't cover everything in this particular podcast but uh, if you're really interested go check out the article on motorsport.com uh, i think the article's title is can f1 really give up wind tunnels by 2030 it's a great article it talks about a lot of things so definitely go check that out um, now let's talk about uh, let's look back at monaco once again i know we're not supposed to talk supposed to talk about baku right now but um you asked me at the end of our uh, Monaco review podcast that you know should Monaco be on the calendar, and I just said yes, and we ended at that uh, ended it at that because you know we agreed on the issue. But um, ever since then, there have been a lot of uh, YouTube content creators and just general public talking about Monaco being on the race calendar even after the race, um, and I think it's just the fact that people are still failing to realize that how important that race was to the season, not just historically. And the other aspects of racing that are at play at Monaco, which are not at play at other circuits um, as much, and um, how racing is not just about passing and overtaking, but racing is all about also about strategy and you know qualifying and practice and you know everything else that that eventually leads up to uh, a great season, a great race. And I think there's a disconnect between. Um, casual fans and you know other veteran fans there's just like some miscommunication in the community and I think there needs to be a clearer picture of why Monaco is uh, such a sought after event because I think there was talk that um, Monaco there was speculation that Monaco is the most viewed event in on the F1 calendar uh, throughout the globe and I think Will Buxton confirmed that in his uh, uh, in his episode of this week uh, that he that he came out with last week so yeah, so you know that just goes to show that how you know how much of an important role Monaco plays on the F1 calendar. Yeah, I mean absolutely. It's as you said, other than the prestige and other than the history and everything else, if you only take Monaco as a 
part of the season every season it is one of the most influential races in some ways and i don't think formula 1 should get rid of monaco for many reasons which we have already covered absolutely um yeah now the one other person making headlines after monaco was carlos sainz um and uh everybody is just you know just hailing carlos sainz as the best driver on the grid right now um obviously there was debate uh you know and everybody is referring to the carlos sainz and ferrari debate because there was both speculation that ferrari made a wrong decision signing uh, carlos sainz instead of daniel ricardo or other talent that was available on the grid in 2020 and there was also speculation that uh with ferrari's decline in performance last year that carlos sainz made the wrong decision to move to ferrari and it seems both of this, both of those decisions have been proven wrong uh both of those speculations have been proven wrong and both those decisions have been proven right uh for b- both parties involved absolutely i mean see if you, if if we step into the uh, shoes of carlos sainz he in 2019 and 2020 he was at ferrari uh, at at mclaren sorry and he was performing well and mclaren were on an upward trajectory but as a formula 1 driver when you get offered a seat by ferrari you take it you take it i mean there is no questions asked obviously there are multiple things in play and people might uh, decline the seat but that ferrari seat that that uh, scarlet color seat and racing overalls and the car are so sought after in in the sport you can't not think about it yep absolutely and it just seems more and more likely that mick schumacher will have to wait a turn for that ferrari seat and it won't come to him that straight forward anymore but you know definitely carlos sainz has made an impact in that ferrari seat and it just goes to show that even when Charles Leclerc who's the leading man at Ferrari uh, you know arguably even though they might say they're all equal and stuff like that but had a bad weekend but Carlos you know put it P2 and came home with the only points for Ferrari uh but yeah uh, let's get to Baku finally man 20 minutes into this podcast <laughs> already uh let's finally get to Baku so what are the talking points you know i think the biggest talking point for me is Baku has had has hosted four races so far 2016 to 2019 and there have been four different winners and out of the current world championship max verstappen is the one who's not won at baku lewis hamilton has won in baku valtteri bottas has won in baku um but max verstappen has not won in baku so can we expect another red bull win going into this grand prix absolutely i mean as i said the 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 track at in baku is suits the red bull red bull package right now max verstappen is in the form of his life Mercedes themselves are under pressure and we know from the past that Mercedes fail to le- deliver when they are under pressure. Yes, they might come back stronger and all that stuff, but they often times they fail to de- deliver when they are under pressure. And I think this is the right time for Max Verstappen and Red Bull to punch them and punch them hard. Absolutely you know uh people were disappointed that uh, although even though Red Bull for the first time you know came out of the blocks fast for the first time in like all in in all the turbo hybrid era seasons uh but at the same time you know Lewis showed up to the first race too and it was neck and neck ever since but I think this like you said you know this is an opportunity for um Red Bull to actually you know one up Mercedes and take the lead 
uh, a bit more further so that the championship can actually live. Um, but let's look at Mercedes now. You know, people have been talking about a Mercedes comeback. We know that Mercedes usually come back stronger from their failures, whether it was, you know, back in Germany in 2019, I think, or, you know, um, their Sakhir, uh, their Sakhir GP last year with Valtteri uh, yeah. Bottas and George Russell. Uh, that was a bad mix up there. Uh, so what can we expect from them? And we know that the Mercedes are not strong in the slow speed corners like we saw in Baku, you know. It took them a lot of effort and only Valtteri could, you know, get the tires into the right window and, you know, put a lap together. Lewis was not able to do that. And while Baku has all, you know, slow speed corners, medium speed corners and, you know, fast straights, um, it just seems that the Mercedes package is not exactly there for um, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bord, especially after the Monaco weekend. Yeah, certainly. I mean, for me, Mercedes are not the favourites. As I said, they might come back stronger in the, in, in the sense of, you know, coming back from a miserable Monaco weekend. But that is where they are. They are a strong team. They are the championship contenders. So having like only, a, only what, 8 or 10 points, bringing only 8 or 10 points is not what they are used to. And that is a week. Uh, that is a bad weekend from them. So they might, they will definitely come back from that, but they will not. In my opinion, they will not be able to fight. Uh, they will like. Max they won't Schaffin, be winning yeah, the race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, and that goes goes to show. You know, uh, the next my next point was the fact that Lewis Hamilton is hasn't. He's been successful at Baku, but he hasn't had the best weekends like race days at Baku, uh, because I think in twenty. 17, uh, he was basically handed the win from Valtteri because uh, he had to lead the championship uh, because of, like, you know, the way the championship was. So Mercedes basically asked uh, Bottas to switch places with Hamilton and give him the win. Uh, and then again in 2018, Bottas was leading the race, uh, but he had a puncture a couple laps before the finish. So Lewis Hamilton inherited the lead of the race and won that race. And Bottas won uh, the race finally in 2019. So Bottas does well at the circuit, but we know that Bottas doesn't have the pace that Lewis has necessarily. So he won't be challenging Max outright, but that also goes to show that, you know, uh, that Lewis might still not have a great race this upcoming weekend just because of the track record he's had at Baku so far. Absolutely. And another thing I'll, I'll add that we know that Mercedes is, is the Mercedes car is not suited for following. It is only suited to le- uh, for leading that race, for, for leading races, right? And at, at Baku, we have a long, long straight and heavy braking zone. Now, even though Mercedes might qualify ahead and Max Verstappen starts behind, if Max Verstappen gets that overtake done and gets that lead, Mercedes will struggle uh, behind him in, in the, you know, the latter part of the circuit. And once, even though it's a, it's a long straight, but a lot, a lot can happen there absolutely um, and you know um, we'll just have to wait and watch what what really happens but another another talking point out out of the monaco weekend was ferrari space in the slower sectors and we know that baku you know the first couple of sectors are slow speed sections essentially um, most of it so can we expect ferrari to be on pace with uh, with the mclarens or even you know with the mercedes um, or like you know a single lap can we expect Ferrari to be in the mix even this week? And I know Matthew Benotto has come out and said that, you know, uh, it's not necessarily that uh, the pace that they had in Monaco will translate to other circuits, whether that's Baku or Hungary or any other 
uh, circuits with, you know, slow speed sections. And, you know, that is fair enough. But uh, Carlos and Charles seem a lot more comfortable in that car. Um, so can we expect, you know, Ferrari to be in the mix for, you know, maybe a podium or, you know, the best of the rest? I think Ferrari can easily hope for best of the rest with uh, Daniel Ricciardo still struggling in the in the McLaren. But if Ricciardo gets gets to grip with the car and again Baku is one of his favorite uh, tracks he he loves the place and he loves that overtaking opportunity at main straight if if Daniel Ricardo can get to grips with the car i believe McLaren have still have a stronger car and stronger package than than Ferrari yeah definitely like going into monaco we saw mclaren you know struggling in the last sector in spain and then we were like you know mclaren's not going to be there but we saw what lando did with the car and it just and we know that the mclaren is really good in the medium speed and high speed corners and it's definitely faster than the ferrari in the straights so it's definitely you know another ferrari versus mclaren weekend that we're looking forward to um so but can we expect i feel that the mclarens will come out at least lando will come out ahead of charles and uh, carlos. carlos in in the mclaren so can we expect an outside chance uh, another outside chance for lando to you know have another podium this weekend i would love that <laughs> you would love that yeah. but you know do, do you see that happening I because mean, in my opinion the mclaren might just be on pace with the two mercedes you know just enough to like you know keep up with them and uh, a little mishap here and there a little mistake and you know lando will be on that podium exactly you know lando norris is running p5 every race except Barcelona Force. He's running P5 every race. And that's how he got his two podiums after mishaps at the front. So that is exactly what McLaren will would be hoping for, running P4, P5 every race uh, during the weekend. And yeah, any mishap, because we know Baku, again, a street circuit. And we have seen interesting races play out at Baku. So that might they might have an outside chance for the podium absolutely absolutely um yeah but uh it worries me about Sergio Perez a little bit in that Red Bull you know he really needs to especially now since the championship is level once again Sergio Perez really needs to put a lap together on qualifying day um to be able to you know help out Max Verstappen in that battle because from what it looks like it's again going to be one Red Bull versus the duo oh, of Mercedes, Mercedes yeah. um on race day which which brings me to this uh, this another question you know regarding Red Bull and their their driver recruitment so so arguably you could say that Alex Albon Pierre Gasly and uh, you know Sergio Perez are are people who perform well on Sunday they're not people they're, they're not qualifiers they're not the best uh, people you know to put the car you know up ahead you know on the front row so does Red Bull need to look into that because all the the last three drivers that they have had, none of them are the best qualifiers on the grid. So does Red Bull need someone who can put it up there on a Saturday, regardless, and you know take a bit of hit on like a Sunday race pace or something like that? Do they need a driver who's a Saturday master and not you know the best racer on Sunday? That is a very very interesting topic, a very interesting point you bring up. And I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but now that you say it, that is what they're struggling with Red Bull. They don't have that car, that second car to fight with them, fight with the, for the Mercedes. 
and yeah i mean i i hope they look into it and but uh, as you were saying it that brought up a suggestion in my mind and that is valtteri bottas we know valtteri bottas can put it out there on a saturday and we know he he matches and he beats lewis hamilton in qualifying and <laughs> if by any chance mercedes give that seat to george russell and valtteri bottas loses out red bull can easily scoop him up and have that you know second car right there i believe yeah that's that's a good point you make too uh yeah that that's interesting you know that's something to think about um anything else from your side uh for the baku weekend i i'm i mean i'm just worried about daniel ricardo because getting lapped by his teammate in monaco and still not getting that performance that he needs we have seen carlos sainz is the best of the uh, movers right now even sebastian vettel got uh, great points in monaco sergio perez got great points in monaco daniel ricardo is still struggling and like baku is as i said one of his favorite uh, favorite tracks but it is very hard on the brakes especially turn 1 and turn 3 if uh, daniel ricardo and i mean i think he is struggling with the brakes because the red bulls breaking performance and the uh, renault's breaking performance i mean andre sidle came out and talked about it himself yeah, you know, that exactly uh, it is the brakes that uh, daniel ricardo is struggling with exactly so he he needs to get them right and i mean we would love to see the daniel ricardo dive bombs into turn 1 absolutely can he do it this weekend i'm not entirely sure and i'm i'm genuinely worried about him well i'm also worried about charles you know winning it this weekend uh he won in 2019 he was about to put it on pole yeah. and then through <laughs> the castle section and uh, it's become a meme ever since you know i am stupid so hopefully it's charles versus another street circuit all over again but hopefully you know charles will be able to put in uh put together a lap without burning his car um uh, into the wall hopefully this weekend and uh bring home some points not just for ferrari but also for my uh fantasy team <laughs> <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah i mean that's all for my side if you have nothing else without um i'll have to say thank you for joining me once again on this podcast and uh i'm excited for the race you know baku is one of my favorite street circuits too and um i'm excited for the race so i'll catch you next weekend